family meeting after 10. Welcome to Family Meeting, a Peaky Blinders podcast. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. And we're manly. That we are. We're manly. Yes. I forgot about being manly. Yeah. But don't worry, everybody. Kelly's drinking bourbon even now. We're going to make it up to you. Yeah. Because we forgot. Never should have slept on the manliness. Yeah, it's true. Really are bad. Yeah. Well, don't worry. I'll 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 say some misogynistic things about Grace later. Awesome, great. Um, I will do this also. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you dumb bitch. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So let's. Uh, it's the last one. It is everybody. It's the very last. Yeah. Here we are. You and me. Yeah, and we've also made it. Everyone we've... who's listening. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we've all made it. It's been, uh, you know, a perfectly enjoyable uh, ordeal. Yeah, it's been pretty chill. Yeah. <laughs> really, no problems either way. No. Uh, fine show and uh, fine podcast. I think. Yeah, I've barely slept for the past two nights, so <laughs> things should get real interesting. Uh, because you were busy doing manly things. Oh yeah, man. I was like lifting right. weights. I was um, cosplaying Gaston. Uh, sports. Yeah. Definitely sports cars. Yeah. Um, Quoting Borat. Earning more money than women. Like, just all of it. I was doing it. Not examining your privilege. Oh, yeah. That keeps you up at night. What privilege? (laughs) Is what I'm saying. Complaining about reverse sexism. It's been great. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, really, I've just lived on Reddit. (laughs) Sadly, the people in Peaky Blinders had to be manly without the aid of Reddit. That's true. What if they hadn't? It was just called the Reddit right hand. <laughs> oh, my wife. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, it's yeah. all happening. No, indeed. And it's interestingly enough, uh, you know, we start out this this particular episode with Killian seeming to compose his very own Reddit post <gasps> in, in voiceover form. I have to say, though, before we even get into that, mm-hmm. you know, they show like Karen Mandebach and uh, Tiger Aspect Productions. Yeah. I think I'm gonna miss Tiger Aspect most of all. Like that's a great production company name. It is. Like we've, what does that even mean? We've slept on it, but it's got the aspect of a tiger. And it's manly. Yeah. It's like if Richard Parker from Life of Pi had his own production company. Yeah. I bet it would have such a classy name as Tiger Aspect. <laughs> that probably would. He'd be like, <laughs> they'd be like, good call, Richard Parker. Mm-hmm. Please don't fire and or eat us. Well, you never can tell with a tiger, Tom. <laughs> they aren't like us. That was the point of Life of Pi. Or was it? That's very... Anything that you say about Life of Pi, <laughs> any like declarative statement that you make, you can follow up with, or was it? Yeah, that's like, actually... His name was Piscine. Or was it? Excellent point. I can keep going. Yeah. I won't. <laughs> Please don't. But I know. Yeah. It would be unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, after we get Tiger Aspect out of the way, we've got uh, we've got voiceover. Boo, voiceover. Yeah, agreed. It starts off with Killian Murphy being like, "I'm about to kill a man." And I'm like, "Don't tell anybody." Well, he also says, "My name is Thomas Shelby." Oh right, yeah. And I'm like, "We know, bro. We have a whole podcast about <laughs> it, even though we never use that name. We do still know. We do know who you are. That's what it's about, really. He's getting sick of us not using his name at the podcast." Mm-hmm. We see uh, attractive bitch getting Grace's secret out of the stable. Yay! Anything with attractive bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah. it almost mitigates the voiceover. Yeah. Even though it is Grace's secret. The secret? She can't sing. 
Uh, <laughs> so we see that uh, actually Killian is writing a letter explaining his role in the upcoming assassination and absolving his family of any wrongdoing or involvement in this. All right. That kind of mitigates the voiceover. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah, a little bit. Like, at least it's not somebody looking at the letter. Well, because the alternative was Killian saying yet again, I have placed word with men I trust. <laughs> <laughs> So, True. Yeah. Uh, we see Mumper leading the blinders and calling about the small Heath rifles, and he chucks Finn on the head, and they're jostling each other like brothers. And I'm like, hey, morale's looking good. Oh, and then we see Arthur. Yeah, well, yes. he is in prison. He is in prison. I morale ex- is historically low in prison. That is the, that's like the motto of every prison. Yeah. <laughs> low morale guaranteed. <laughs> Uh, we see Paul opening up the cage in the bedding parlor and packing herself a basket, uh, looking at her grandstand ticket for Epsom. And I have a few issues with this ticket. He's got some ish with the tick. I do. Uh, so first of all, it lists the date as May 31st, 1922, uh, when in fact, from my research, the Epsom Derby would be the first Wednesday in June in this time period. Because it's June! <laughs> June, June, June. Wait, that's not manly at all. No, it actually would. <laughs> it, you know why it was? Why? Tradition. <laughs> we can't help ourselves. I mean, usually you can. I don't no, know what's I know. going on. Well, I just, I, I got a, I got something going. Uh, so that's an issue. The date seems to be wrong. Did I give you fever? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let me get back to my manly pedantic quibbling. Okay, God. <laughs> Speaking of Reddit, uh, so the, the date's wrong. It lists the event as the Epsom Derby, despite the fact that, again, this is, I could be wrong about this one, but my impression is that it was always, particularly the time period, just called the Derby. Everything else, you know, the Kentucky Derby is the Kentucky Derby. Other things are named I after mean it. the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> I spell Darby now with an A. Uh, yeah, uh, I've noticed. So you're yeah. welcome, Darby O'Gill and the little people. <laughs> the most famous Darby with an A. Uh, is that like Liza with a Z? <laughs> it, it, it is, but it's about Darby with an A. <laughs> it's Sean Connery's one-person show. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and also if any of you are interesting, the actual Derby winner in 1922, Captain Cuddle. <laughs> Cuddle as in DD or C U T T L E? T T, yeah. That's less interesting I know. to me. It would have been more fun. I'm sorry. I know. I'm going to call you Captain Cuddle. <laughs> uh, Mr. Captain Cuddle. Because <laughs> it's manlier. That's right. Bro. <laughs> they call me Mr. Cuddle. Um. <laughs> 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 So, it's taking us a long time just to get through this first paragraph. <laughs> well, that's how it is. Well, they often this show, especially well, the last few episodes, especially they've tended to start it up with like a montage at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, and they're doing a lot more like intercut stuff. Yeah, throughout. Yeah. So, thanks a lot, Steve Knight. <laughs> Don't worry, y'all. We're gonna get through this, and then not have to do this podcast again for a while. So, you make it sound like a chore. <laughs> Uh, what, what, whatever could you mean? Anyway, uh, Killian continues with his voiceover that the guy is killing. He's doing it on behalf of agents of the crown and pro-treaty Fenians. Uh, he believes they intend to blame anti-treaty IRA and that therefore this shot will be the starting gun for the civil war in Ireland. Thinks a lot of himself. <laughs> Again, he's already participated in when the wind shakes the barley. He knows what's going on. 
he's been instructed to kill Field Marshal Russell, who we now see uh, choking and fucking a woman. In what is honestly some of the more appealing sex we've seen on this show. Yeah. It's not clear to me how consensual it is on her end. All I know is I saw it and I was like, that seems fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, Sam Neill's nowhere to be found. That's so. true. That's already better than 50%. I'm watching from outside a window. <laughs> With my sandwich. <laughs> uh, Killian says that uh, he doesn't care about the killing himself, but he believes that it has international implications, and he wants to name the orchestrator of the murder one Chester Campbell. Ooh, his name is Chester. Like, Chester. Of course it's Chester. Yeah. No what one, a horrible name. No wonder he's so miserable all yep. the damn time. Uh, Ada, he's writing this letter in the room with Ada, who offered him tea. She, he ignored her, uh, but she's like, oh, I'm gonna give you tea anyway, but I'll, st- you know, just be a, you know, a bitch about it. Typical woman, am I right? Uh, Always with the nagging. Yeah, well, men are doing yeah. their man's work. Agreed. Yeah. Not manly, Ada. Not manly. <laughs> the, uh, the letter is addressed to the editor of the New York Times, Charles Ransom Miller who uh, was dead later in the year. I wonder if he was still actually editing the New York Times. Uh, but. Well, they didn't give a shit about that ticket, did they? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because you know why? Fact-checking is for pansies. That's, We're men. That's right. Sounds good. He tells Ada it's to do with insurance. Uh, Ada says that he should tell them what's going on, and he never lets anyone in, always wanting him to talk about his feelings. Uh, but then old Rando comes in that's living with Ada, and... Ada wonders what he's doing up so early in the morning. Usually he's sleeping and freeloading off of Ada, but <laughs> apparently not. Killian says, let's go to Rando. Ada wants to know what's going on. Uh, Rando says it's just a little errand, and uh, Killian says that Rando's just going to have to stand there. Ada still wants to know what's going on. Uh, she says, what errand? And Rando turns to her and says, for the cause, Ada, for the good old cause. The first in many <laughs> terrific lines in this episode as Red Right Hand kicks in full mm-hmm, bore, mm-hmm. Peaky Blinders, series finale. Woo! Yeah, we were, we were pumped up at this point. It's great. Yeah. Uh, still no sign of Comrade Baby. Right. At no point, spoilers, <laughs> at no point in this episode is there any indication that Comrade Baby is still with us. Right. So, so yeah. I mean, it's pretty manly to sell your baby. <laughs> I suppose that's true. Cut to Arthur in prison as Arctic Monkey's Arabella kicks in and the door opens up and a guy says, hands off cocks and on with socks, uh, which is clever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he lifted it from Full Metal Jacket, but. <laughs> Listen, get out of here with your anachronisms. Uh, Arthur begs him, what at a time, please? That's all I ask. And we couldn't quite figure out what that meant. Like, yeah. Like, we thought, like, guys were coming to kill him and just, like, one of them beating him up at a time or. Yeah, it was. Or, yeah, I don't know. That was, we didn't get that. Anyway, regardless, it doesn't matter because the guy just looks like Arthur's the dumbest dipshit alive and says, you're getting out, Mr. Shelby. And we cut back to Killing and Rando, who looks like a young Aiden Gillen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cut back to the prison and the warden says both of the witnesses against Arthur retracted their statements, both at 9 p.m. the night before, <laughs> coincidentally. Yeah. Killian tells Rando not to do anything that he hasn't been instructed to do. Killian says, hello, Ollie, to Solomon's second, who says Rando has to stay outside. 
Inside of the bakery, Killian bends down to tie his shoe next to a barrel, and then Ollie leads him on. Yeah. Ollie's like, go ahead, be obscured from my view for a minute. That seems fine to me. I didn't know his name was Ollie, and I like him so much better now. Yeah, yeah. I, I just like the name Ollie. Sure. Like, not for, like, a baby that I would have, or a person that I would know, necessarily. But, like, but just as a name that's out there. You're, like, a friend of a friend. Yeah. You know? Oh, you know, this is, you know, it's it's uh, Pam's friend, Ollie. Yeah. He works for Alfie down at the bakery. <laughs> so we see Arthur getting into a Shelby Company van with Johnny Dogs. He wonders how Tommy got him out of jail. Uh, but Johnny says that he has to get Arthur to a telephone so that he can make a call, all of which is apparently part of Tommy's plan, uh, which Johnny Dogs is not fully privy to. So we cut back to Tommy in Solomons' office, and Solomons is ignoring him and reading a document that you just know he had set aside specifically to read while ignoring well, Tommy. this is my reading document for <laughs> when I don't want to talk to somebody. <laughs> so the phone rings, and Solomon says that'll probably be for Killian. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's Arthur. Solomon says, so that's Killian's side of the street all swept up, but what's in it for him? Uh, and Killian presents Solomon's with an export license signed by Churchill himself that will allow him to ship his rum with the Shelby shipments, and nobody at Poplar Docks will ever take a look. The I don't know. Sister Monica Joan might. <laughs> yeah, but she wouldn't rat on him. Oh, that's true. Yeah. She would just say, rum is a liquor <laughs> for the gods. <laughs> Although she wouldn't be senile no, that's at this true. point. She'd probably be quite the young spitfire. Yeah, she probably would. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what'll happen if they go up against a nun. Well, <laughs> perhaps that's what happens in series three. <laughs> that's the, the big bad is a nun. <laughs> Sister Evangelina? Yeah. Now you know, listen here. <laughs> can't be corrupted. Interesting thought. Uh, so part of the contract is that 20% of the Shelby business will go to the Solomons. Uh, Solomon says, you know what? I'm not even going to have my lawyer look at it. That's how much I trust you. But just in case, I had my lawyer drop this entirely separate contract, which I am now handing to you. <laughs> uh, and what that one this says... This actually is how negotiations go. Yeah. In case anybody was wondering. Yeah. Uh, and what this contract says is that 100% of the business will go to Solomons. Now that is a bold counteroffer. Honestly, I'm watching this and I'm thinking about, a, you know, asking for a raise and just being like, what this document presupposes is, bam, 100% raise. Lay it on me, guys. Do it. <laughs> Incidentally, if you're listening and you're someone who can make a 100% raise happen for me, uh, give me a call. Yeah. Give us a, drop us a line up yours downstairs at gmail.com. Even if you're just running a scam, we'll uh, we'll take a shot at yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Or if you just want to <laughs> give us some money. Oh, yeah. We should make a way for that to happen. Um, Look, it's a long weekend. We're going <laughs> to figure this out. That's right. Uh, so Killian says that that proposal is funny and asks why he should do it. Uh, then Ollie gets out and points a gun at Killian, like, shakily. Yeah, and so unconvincingly. And I'm like, what do you even do, Ollie? Yeah. Like, if you can't pull a gun, even when you know full well nobody's going to shoot this guy yet, like, yeah. come on. Yeah. Get your shit together, Ollie. Be a man. That's right. Uh, so, but Solomon shoves his limp-wristed gun out of his face, says that Killian's a big boy and he knows the deal. Uh, but Killian still refuses to sign the contract, and Solomon says, I'm going to fucking shoot you, Tommy. And it's so great. Like, yeah. the line readings, it's amazing. Like, yeah. Tom Hardy's so great in this. He is. Uh, but Killian explains that when he came in, he bent down to tie his shoe, and he dropped a hand grenade under one of the barrels. That old trick. Yeah. He says that Randall... Manliest o trick in the book. <laughs> the old grenade trick. 
The only thing more manly would be if that hand grenade was also inside of a prostitute. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I dare you to counterdict me. No, you're right. Uh, he says that Randall looks like a choir boy, but he is, in fact, an anarchist, one of the types who blew up Wall Street, a professional. Uh, <laughs> so I looked up that, actually, too. Uh, the Wall Street bombing, which took place on September 16th, 1920. Uh, it was a real thing. They never found out exactly who did it, but they're pretty sure it was Italian anarchists. Uh, my favorite we don't thing- know where James is from. No, that's true. Uh, my favorite thing about the Wikipedia article was in the sort of little statistics box at the top listing various things that listed uh, deaths. <clears throat> and the deaths were listed as, I quote, 38 people, one horse. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to name that horse Ollie. <laughs> Poor Ollie. Yeah. Ollie is a great name for a pet, I've just decided. Oh, that's I'm a good point. I'm upgrading... Ollie from friend of a friend to appropriate pet name. <laughs> All right. Good for to a know. pet, not like a, you yes. know, sweet cheeks yes. or honey bunches. Yeah. An actual pet. Yes. Name. A real ass pet. <laughs> but yeah. So he's saying that Rando was in charge of the grenades wire, uh, which I'm not quite sure the logistics of this. I think it must this. be a radio. I think so when too. When they say wire, I think they mean radio because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Because if there was a wire, like, People would have definitely run ac- like literally run across that. <laughs> right, right. And they'd already be dead. Yeah. Anyway, he's told Rando that if he doesn't walk out of the door by the stroke of seven, that Rando is to trip the wire and Solomon's entire very combustible building, being full of alcohol, will blow them all to hell. And Killian doesn't care because he's already dead. And he means it. Yeah. Like, that's the scare. Like, we've seen him bluffing before. And I don't now, nor do I at the end of this scene have any idea if he actually had a grenade in there. Mm-hmm. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. And they never tell us. Yeah. But it's like, it's just the truth of him saying he's already dead. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because that is like what this entire day is all about for him. Yeah. Ollie says that Killian did tie his shoe and there is a boy outside. And Killian says, from a good family too. It's shocking what they become. It is one of the funniest things <laughs> Killian ever does. Yeah. Like, it is amazing. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, so yeah, Alan's, Ollie says Killian tied his shoe. Solomonston wants to know what Ollie was doing while Killian tied his shoe, and Ollie says he was checking runners in the papers. So Solomons tells Ollie to go outside and shoot that boy from the good family. But Killian says that if anyone but him comes out the door, Rando will trip the wire. Ollie is bugging out and being like, oh, he did tie his lace, he did tie his lace. I'm like, Jesus, Ollie. What, again, like, what who, good are whose you? Whose cousin are you? <laughs> right. Like, how did this happen? Yeah. Because it's like, I have my issues with Sabini's lieutenant, but he at least seems like a legit criminal. Mm-hmm. Ollie just seems like, you know, his auntie was like, now, Alfie, <laughs> you know Ollie needs to learn a trade. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. And Alfie said, but Auntie, he's not good at anything, <laughs> is he? Well, that's why he needs to learn. He's going to blow up my bakery. That's what he's going to do. <laughs> you got five bakeries. You've only got one nephew. <laughs> uh, new spinoff idea. Alfie and Auntie. Make this happen, Steve Knight. <laughs> 
Solomon says that he thinks the odds are 100 to 1 that Killian's lying. Killian reminds him that he blew up his own pub for the insurance. Which he did not. Mm-hmm. But good job uh, rewriting that narrative, Killian. Yeah. Like, Silicon Valley applauds you. <laughs> yeah. Solomon's then concedes odds of 65 to 1, considering the form, and suggests that he will accept 65% of the Shelby business. Ollie is still losing his mind, and Solomon's hits him, tells him that he's acting like a child, and this is a man's world. Man's world! That's right. Manly! <laughs> we are vindicated! He tells Ollie to take Witness off- him! <laughs> he tells Ollie to take off his apron and go sit in the corner like a little boy. Killian says that they have four minutes, and uh, he tells Solomon's that like where the grenade is, what the chalk mark was on the barrel, uh, and he takes a pin out of his pocket and throws it on the desk. Solomon's goes down to forty-five percent. Killian counters with thirty. Solomon says that's not enough. Killian says that in France he blew up the Schwabenhau with the one seventy-nine. Uh, which was a regiment, and the Schwabenhau was uh, the biggest explosion in history up to that point. Huh. And you can still see the crater if you want to go. It's a memorial now. It's gigantic. Uh, Solomon says that he heard the 179 got buried, but Killian says that three of them dug themselves out. So we assume that's him, Danny Wisbang, and Terrible Hat. And both Danny Wisbang and Terrible Hat are now dead. Yeah. So uh, Arguably as a result of Tommy's actions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know Terrible Hat got sick, but, like, maybe he wouldn't have if he hadn't uh, had to marry Ada. Yeah. He was probably, well, like, I could fight this tuberculosis, but, ugh. <laughs> Solomons finally agrees to 35%, and Killian walks outside where Rando's smoking a cigarette, and he follows him out onto the street. So, and that's that. Yeah. Like, well done. Yeah. And the thing about all this negotiation, too, is this is a legally binding contract. That's the whole point of it. Uh-huh. So it's not like any other situation under duress like this where they could, like, Solomon's could just say, fine, whatever percent, and then come be back and be like, no, nah, I, you know, I was lying. I don't care. Yeah. Because, you know, it's he still needs a contract for it to be worth anything to yeah. him. So, yeah. Although, I don't think they got it notarized. Well. And they needed a, you know, they needed a lawyer to draft a new contract since one says 20 and one says 100. Well, you can, if you can make a change to a contract if you both initial the change. Okay. Well, I hope they had enough time for him to get out before 7 uh, (laughs) o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Details, details. Men don't concern themselves with details. Killian approaches the Peaky truck, and Arthur asks how he got Arthur out of prison. Killian says he pulled some strings because he needed Arthur today. Killian says Arthur's in charge of Mumper, and they're both in charge of Finn, who's to stick to lookout duty only. Finn protests, but Killian says that if he can't obey orders, then he can't come. Yeah. Johnny Dogs calls Killian captain. He says they've promoted him since he's fucking rich women and using fancy <laughs> words now. I love Johnny Dogs. Yeah. Like, yeah, he, he's, he's grown on me. And, well, they've like, used not that they him, didn't like they've him. They've used him very sparingly. Yeah. They've used him in, like, if they had had him as often as they have, like, Charlie. I think it would be grading a little bit, but like he's mm-hmm. just, he's like, you know, he's the, uh, the sea salt <laughs> on top of the salted caramel. Yeah. That is, that wasn't a manly reference. He's the, uh, he's the A1 steak sauce <laughs> on this baked potato on top of a steak. There's also bacon. Yeah. <laughs> a phone rings and H&M goes to answer it. He tells the other person that Mr. Shelby is in London and can't be reached because he's at the Epsom Derby. Derby. He then asks the other person who's calling, then hangs up without saying goodbye, which will never stop annoying me. 
Paul has come in with her basket and uh, fusses with his scarf. Like, I know, like, she's his mom and, like, they've been separated forever. I just, like, I don't ever want to be the mom that, like, fusses with stuff. Yeah. Like, for no reason. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'll be a very decisive fusser. Yeah. I'll, like, yank stuff <laughs> and, like, punch the kid. I won't really punch <laughs> you, my no, kids. But, like, you know. But that's, like that's too manly. It is Kelly. too manly. Yeah. Uh, no, but it's just like leave him alone. He's like twenty seven or something. <laughs> uh, anyway, Paul says that she's going to the station. H and M is ignoring her. Uh, she pulls some food out of the basket and then also pulls out a bunch of rolls of money. Okay. She says that the money is for H and M for him to go to London and start a new life and to visit like on weekends and holidays. She says she, she says t- holy days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she doesn't want to see him there in Birmingham when she gets back, if she gets back. Uh, so she's being pretty melodramatic about mm-hmm. the situation. Well, she says, this Birmingham life, it's always if. And I'm like, Polly, like, I kind of get what you're saying, but y'all seem fine. Yeah. She's like, pack up your clothes. Whichever of your clothes aren't on fire, this being Birmingham. <laughs> get out of here. Uh, so, yeah, she says that she loves him and he says he loves her, too. Cut to Samnia limping along to a clearing where three dudes are standing. Uh, red right hand kind of starts to kick in in the background. Mm-hmm. He calls the men his greyhounds <laughs> and shows them a picture of their rabbit for the day. <laughs> Samuel warns the men that this, being Tommy Shelby, yeah. is a man of some capability, but he'll accept no excuses. <laughs> One of the guys says the red right hand of the Ulster Volunteer Force is there for him. Sam Neill salutes with red right hand and red right hand kicks in loudly (laughs) again in case we missed the connection. Yeah. Steve Knight. Yeah. Like, come on, dude. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Which I forget to what, like, I sort of knew, but I can't remember how much I knew. I'm pretty sure somebody wrote to us yeah, earlier on. It was I think just you're like, right. by the way, yeah. by the way, the red right hand of Ulster was a thing. <laughs> it was. It was their her- heraldic symbol. I also wonder if that was an intentional reference by Nick Cave, which for all I know, we've also been told, and I don't um, know. I don't think we have been told, but it makes sense to me that it would, mm-hmm. you know, if he was writing about the Irish Troubles. Yeah, that's true. As uh, various UK people are wont to do. <laughs> well, but he's from Australia. Is he? Yeah. I always think he's English and he's yeah. not. I think he lives in England. I think you're right. Anyway. I mean, you can still write about oh, yeah. the Irish Troubles if you live in Australia or you're it's, from it, Australia. It's true. It's legal. Maybe he was hanging out with Bono. You don't know. <laughs> I don't. So we cut to the blinders and their trucks in a field. Killian says that he hopes they all brought loaded weapons. They did. And he outlines that the plan Don't is... Don't they all bring loaded weapons everywhere <laughs> they go? I think sometimes they are specifically told to just bring, like, knives and shit. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, the plan is that at 3 o'clock, they will all move on Sabini's pitches and destroy their licenses and confiscate their takings. Uh, he specifies that the licenses are more important than the takings. Uh, he says that there's going to be a diversion that will draw all the coppers away, uh, caused by him, personally. Uh, and he says that the goal is for the takeover to go off without a single shot fired. He then also gives everyone 10 bob to bet on Nam de Guerre because he hears she's going to win. Uh, bad news, everybody, yeah. is Captain Cuddle. It is. 
Cut to Derby Day. Ponce is gonna punt. <laughs> okay, they'll also, this looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of beer. Everybody's drunk and like running around and like dressed up, but being kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then cut to attractive bitch in the stable. There are She's- big signs that just say polo, and I don't know what they mean. Anyway. Uh, Ralph Lauren is there? I guess so. Spoiler alert. Or not even spoil. What kind of Ralph Lauren uh, commercials do we think are going to be happening for Downton Abbey? Oh will there boy! Be ones? Oh my God! <laughs> Where will the Viking River cruises go? <laughs> I just found out today that there is a Downton Abbey related joke in the movie Trainwreck. Oh! It just—I don't know what the context of it, but I just saw that somebody saying that their favorite line in the whole summer was uh, James uh, LeBron James saying in regards to Downton Abbey. Come on, man. I don't want the rest of my team to be talking about it, me being left out. I saw that in a promo, actually. Oh, did you? I was I reading an that. interview with Natasha Legero, who is one of the co-creators of Another Period, which, mm-hmm. by the way, we gave another try, and we just don't like it. It's just not our it's thing. It's just not our thing. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. Um, but she says that she likes to put Downton Abbey on to fall asleep to, which may be why we don't like that show. <laughs> We're like, be. how could you fall asleep? <laughs> so much drama. Uh, anyway, man, we should take a Viking River cruise. <laughs> Do you think they'd give it to us for promotional value? <laughs> it would I, be an, another in the long litany of things you and I have done in the course of our marriage that are better suited to people in their 50s and 60s. Yeah, sure would. That is what, FYI, everybody, when Tom and I do stuff, it's always stuff where we're the youngest people there. <laughs> we're like, ooh, let's go to dinner at four. <laughs> Ooh, let's go see Rita Rudner in Vegas. <laughs> Ooh, let's go to the Stratford Shakespeare Festival when it's like off season and no schools are making their kids go. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. At any rate, attractive bitch is standing with her arms crossed in the stable. Killian comes in and attractive bitch tells him that Grace's secret through a shoe coming out of the box, which seems important. I I don't know about I don't horses. Know. Yeah, like I'm no curly. Yeah. Killian also does not seem concerned. He says that she looks in fine shape and he whispers something in Romani. And actually, I like this a lot because he said something in Romani and he's like, uh, something, something, uh, isn't it? Or is it? Like, mm. it was like a very British thing to say. <laughs> yeah. He asks if he should be worried. She says no. He sees a dress that she's got hanging in the stable and asks if it's hers. She says her mother wore it to the Derby in 1895, and she was at that time presented to Queen Victoria. She will change in the horse box after the race, and then she'll go up and join him with the toffs. Killian just kind of grunts. Yeah. And attractive bitch says, you don't want me to join you? It's fine. I'll sit down here in the mud because she's awesome. (laughs) She is. That was all I wrote next. Like, I was going to say the next thing that I wrote down, but I just, independent of that, said she was awesome. Killian pulls her in and kisses her, which is not what she asked. And he says, whatever happens today, it was good. She says, you mean win or lose? And he says, yeah. And I'm like, say what you mean, dude. Well, he doesn't want to tell her that he thinks he might be dead in an hour. I know. Anyway, she says she hates to watch the race. She prefers to just find somewhere dark and quiet to sit it out. Which really bothers me. Writers clearly don't understand sports. She's a trainer. She would absolutely watch the race. Just like in the movie The Damned United, there's no way that the manager, because he's so nervous, would not watch the game. That just would not happen. I understand. But that's... Uh, I'm not going to argue with you. That was that was a legitimately manly complaint. Okay. Way to go, manly. <laughs> Thank you. Killian says that if she can't find him after the race, he'll come and find her. No regrets. 
And she is like, what the F are you talking about? Because he is making zero sense. Right. Like, yeah. you know, it's yeah. ridiculous. Agreed. Like, I get why he's not telling her what's going on, mm-hmm. but it's like, why not make fake plans with her? <laughs> yeah. Like, either you can keep them or you cannot keep them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, PJ Harvey's down by the water kicks in. We see Mumper walking around the grounds, betting on Nom de Guerre. Uh, and also Sabini and his men come in. They're spotted by Mumper and Arthur, though not vice versa. And Arthur says as they go by, fucking meatball bollocks as they <laughs> walk by. And that is my favorite ethnic slur of all time. <laughs> we see Field Marshal Russell drinking a toast with another officer. Killian sees him as well and starts kind of shadowing him. Russell gets up heading into where the Toffs are all hanging out. And Killian is waiting in line of a few people behind him when who should show up but fucking grace oh my god i can't even believe this bitch yeah like it's so all dressed to the nines and shit yeah she's like oh i have to talk to you and it's no you don't yeah i give this zero spittoons (laughs) that's right none at all killian says that it's not a good time but you know, because she's clearly not going to shut up, so he gets that. No, line. but look, this is part of his weakness. She's all, like, anytime she wants anything, he does it. Yeah, like we've yeah. all been there. Yeah, there's a person, and you're like, you. Oh wait, how am I already doing the thing that you wanted? <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. You're a witch. <laughs> you're a spittoon witch. Yeah, uh, Grace tells him that she is pregnant with Killian's baby. Boo! And Killian says, "But he'll believe." You can make him believe that it's his. Uh, and Grace asks if that's what he really wants. And he says, Grace, I seriously have things to do. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, next time anybody's bothering you, just say, Grace, <laughs> I seriously have things to do. I just wrote, Grrr. You mean Grace. <laughs> Possibly. Grace. <laughs> Rise! What if there was a zombie movie where that's all the zombies said? <laughs> Rise! Think about it. Maybe that's next season. Maybe. That's the end of the zombie thing is killing The Walking me. Grace. <laughs> the Gracing Dead. I'd watch it. All right, well, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are different people. <laughs> yeah, so Grace is like, oh, you cost a coin about it. And he cuts her off and it says that he'll decide what to do after the race. And Grace tells him to tell her that she was right to not lie to her husband or something. This is another situation where, like, Arthur talking to those guys. I'm like, yeah. what are you even saying? Like, that she was right not to call her husband and tell him that it was his? I yeah. think that's what it is, yeah. actually, now that somehow I'm examining it through the prism <laughs> of bourbon <laughs> and hating Grace. Yeah. But I think she's saying it was right of her not to call and tell her husband she was pregnant and that it was his already. Yeah. But anyway, she's like, she tells Killian that she loves Killian and not her husband. And Killian's like, all of which could have been brought to my attention yesterday! (laughs) Because this is basically the wedding singer if Adam Sandler's character was a gangster and not a wedding singer. And instead of getting married, they just made a baby. (laughs) Yeah. No, there's some interesting similarities there, I'm going to go back to grad school and write a thesis based on this. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep. Well, no, he would have, you know, I know she wanted him to go to New York or whatever, but also she could have, like, waited. Yeah. You know, like, what was going to happen to her? Yeah. Really? 
Like, was Sam... Ne- I mean, Sam Neill tried to kill her or whatever. Right. But, like, apparently there was no fallout whatsoever. Yeah, that all seemed and to be fine. And everybody knew that she shot him, too. We haven't even talked about That's this. That's a good point. Well, everybody knew that she shot him... Yeah. And there was no apparent criminal prosecution or she issues just, with that. No she problem. She can just leave the country. And come back and be like, oh, yes, I... I I'm the one that shot that police officer. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, not customs. just the police. He was an agent of the crown. In fact, working yeah. for the home office. Right. Anyway, full of holes, Steve Knight, <laughs> full of holes. Get it together. Yeah. Be more manly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Grace says that she will wait for Killian where they lay their bets uh, after the race. Boo. Uh, she walks past the band who are playing. It's a long way to Tipperary, which I think might be the most commonly played song throughout all of the media that we have seen for this. Agreed. It's a long way to Tipperary. It was not even that long. (laughs) It is when you're drunk. (laughs) That's true. Uh, A bunch of horses walk by, as do Mumper, Johnny Dogs, and Arthur. We see Lizzie and Jeremiah. Jeremiah's there for some reason, but I'm always glad to see him. But I'm like, why don't you let him do something every once in a while? Yeah. Anyway, Lizzie is Killian's date to the races. Hey. Aww. Yeah. Or maybe not. Because as soon as she walks up and says, oh, you know, look at my dress, Killian says uh, to undo two buttons. Yeah. Lizzie gets the wind knocked out of her sails pretty quickly, Mm -hmm. asking what she's doing there, taking notes on a meeting. And she's already pointed out that she's working, so she hasn't had a single drink. And like, fucking Lizzie. Yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, Killian explains that he needs a man taken out away from the crowd. Lizzie objects strenuously Mm -hmm. because he told her not to do that kind of work anymore. And she's turned it down for all these months. And now he's just changing his mind. Yeah. And this one, this one's on Killian. This is really on Killian. Because not that this is an unreal, like this is a necessary part of his plan and Lizzie's not even necessarily a terrible choice to do it, but you need to, to, to like discuss this with her in advance. Yeah. Because like, springing it on her here is fucking cruel. Yeah. Killian promised her it's the last time and she is pissed. Yeah. She says that her months of no exceptions have been no hardship. And does he know why? He's not even paying attention as yeah. she's about to tell him it's no hardship because she's in love with him. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, Killian is like, huh? And Lizzie just says, never mind. She wants to know who the man is. And Killian points out the field marshal. And she tells he tells her that she just needs to be alone with him at three where he's marked an X sort of on a diagram of where they're mm-hmm. at. And he'll get to her before the sex part starts. Mm -hmm. She asks for a piece of chalk and he's really confused. And she starts to explain that it's how the soldiers know that she's a prostitute. But then she just gets exasperated and stops. Uh, Killian gives her the chalk and he leaves. Yeah. Oh, see, the blinders gathered by their truck, looking at the coppers who are still noticeably on duty. Uh, Lizzie removes a shoe and puts it back on, and she's chalked something on her sole. It kind of looks like two-sixths, yeah. but we can't quite tell, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, it catches the eye of the field marshal, who follows her out of the room. And this, I mean, I guess this is true of plenty of people, but I just can't imagine being in a non-sexual situation and somebody being like, you want to go fuck right now? And me being just like, all right. Like, I just... I mean, I think, number one, it was a different time. True. I think also, number two, they showed us that guy fucking that girl earlier. 
yeah. as sort of an indication that he has certain sexual appetites. That's a good point. So yeah. I think it's a little sloppy. I don't think it quite works, but you know, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe Killian's done some research on the guy. It's, yeah. it's hard to say. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, who know? It, it may have been in his file. Yeah, you know, it could be. So it's it's unfortunate that we don't know why he knows this is going to work. Right, but right. Yeah. In the bar, an announcer says that the race starts in four minutes. Four minutes is a theme in this episode. Yeah. The bar clears, leaving only Sam, Neil, and Killian. No bartender, even. Yeah. Well, he wants to watch the race. I guess so. Sam, Neil asks if Callian shouldn't be busy. Killian says, when you plan something well, there's no need to rush. <laughs> Sam Neil says he actually trusts Killian to do this. Sam Neil wants to know if there might be some measure of respect growing <laughs> between them. He does one of his patented stayed up all night speechifying speeches and says, he thanks not. Yeah. It actually reminded me of Wet Hot American Summer. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing seems kind of trite. Uh, Killian agrees also that no, there is no respect between them. <laughs> Samuel drinks to that and Samuel wants to know what Killian's plans for Grace are. And he says he was wrong about her. Killian says that he was wrong as well. He says Grace loves him and all Sam Neil got was a bullet and a wolf head cane. Also my whore landlord. <laughs> and our sandwiches. <laughs> Sam Neil says ahead of Kellyanna's damnation, but Sam Neil has the love of God and the certainty of salvation. Killian finishes his drink and says he knows what Sam Neil did to Polly and what happened to H&M in prison, which, question mark? Uh, Does that mean he got raped or just beaten up? I mean... Well, beaten up is, you know, we know that much anyway. Yeah. And we know that he was beaten up for, you know, things that Sam Neil knew... Like, yeah, had no need to beat him up for. At any rate, Killian says that one of them is going to die that day. And whoever it is, he's going to wake up in hell the next day. Yeah. Killian leaves and Sam Neill does look uneasy. Yeah. I thought God loved raping. (laughs) Christ. Cut to attractive bitch in the stables, bent over, pleading with Grace's secret to at least make a showing. She's like praying. Yeah. She's not just bending over. Right. Like like, picking up a pencil. (laughs) Right. We see the blinders waiting impatiently, uh, and we hear Lizzie laughing and leading the field marshal into a corner. Uh, This may be some sort of restroom area. Well, we find out later that it's like the royal enclosure or something. Yeah. Like, it's very unclear. It's It's very sparse, whatever it is. It's very sparse. It's just a bunch of, like, bare wood partitions. So whatever this place is, we don't know. Uh, He compliments Lizzie's dress and tells her to take it off. She says that they should get his uniform off first, but he tells her to take off her dress and show him that she's clean. Uh, she tries to demure, but he forces her. And one thing before we get into the horrible part of this, yeah. Lizzie's a great prostitute. Mm-hmm. Like, she's really good at this. Like, if this guy wasn't a psycho, mm-hmm. like, this totally would have worked. Yeah. You know, like, she knows how to, like, lead her John. Choreograph sort of, a Exactly. Bit. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. it just sucks. So Killian is trying to get there, but he is stopped by cops who say that this area is secured because the king is going to be passing through there later, uh, and he'll have to go around. So uh, in the delay that's caused by Killian go ar- going around, the field marshal is full-on raping Lizzie. 
And this is the thing that's weird to me just from a his perspective thing. Mm-hmm. He said, lift up your dress and show me that you're clean. Mm-hmm. But he like started fucking her before he verified anything. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, you know. Yeah. I don't know how rapists work. Yeah. Me neither. So Killian enters and calls out Russell uh, and then fires the, his gun. But it just you know the subtitle says clicks empty so it either jammed or killian just didn't check that there was one in the chamber or what like why you know we don't know but it doesn't fire uh and so in an instant russell is on top of killian and punching him lizzie grabs the gun which has fallen away as russell draws his own gun and Killian and Russell are struggling for it as lizzie is pointing killian's gun at them trying to get a clear shot uh but Killian manages to force Russell's gun up towards Russell's own chin and pull the trigger, killing Russell. Oh, is that what happened? I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I thought Lizzie shot him. I, because it looked like she was about to, but I don't think she ever got a clear shot. Okay. Yeah, so. What do you guys Actually, think? no, because I remember she she did pull the trigger once and it still didn't fire, I think, because I feel like I remember her trying to look at the cylinder. Okay, well. I don't know. But it was it was certainly a very, like, confused, hectic situation. Yeah. And it ended with Russell shot dead. So Lizzie screams at Killian wanting to know where he was. Uh, he tells her to get out and shoots the gun a few more times in the air, which is part of his plan for some reason. I don't know. Well, to draw attention. Yeah. Uh, he then hastily tries to wipe the blood off his face, which he doesn't quite succeed at, but he still gets away with it. So he goes out and he tells an officer, uh, again... I think he was putting on a bit of an Irish accent here again uh-huh. to look more innocent. Uh, but he says that he was taking a shit and he heard Irish voices in a shot and he swears to God there's a soldier lying dead in there. So as he predicted, every available cop uh, runs towards the royal enclosure. We see somebody saying, we need every man in uniform around the king mm-hmm. immediately. So the blinders see this and uh, prepare to make their move. Also present, we just wanted to remind everybody, Scud Boat. Oh, Scud Boat. <laughs> You're the manliest man of all. <laughs> An officer tells Sam Neill to put his hands up in the bar and Sam Neill is frisked. Uh, one, whoever frisks him pulls out his badge and then apologizes. <laughs> they say, you know, everybody said they heard there was an Irishman mm. in there and Sam Neill's like, there is an Irishman. <laughs> but he says, I will now take command of the situation. I was like, which oh, is like, you? oh, great. Yeah. And here's where I suddenly had a, you know, a thought, a conundrum. Why is Sam Neill there? I don't know. What good does it do him to be at the races I this day? I think he is just a dick who... Look, he got into this because he couldn't handle his own personal issues. Yeah. So he's there, presumably. Well, I mean, maybe he's there to keep an eye on his red right hand guys, but, like, they don't need him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like he ought to be able to trust them. And if he can't... Well, anyway, that was just a su- thought I, that suddenly occurred to me. Narrative economy. Yeah. Also a good reason. Anyway, uh, the royal blood come on over plays as the blinders burn the licenses at the Sabini pitches. Killian is sitting in the owner's enclosure as Sabini comes in. Killian says he's late and asks what happened to the lieutenant's nose. The lieutenant says that Killian should have his brother Arthur put down. Killian says he tried that and Arthur bit the vet. (laughs) Sabini says the cops are going to throw Killian out, but Killian says the coppers are a bit busy at the moment. He asks if Sabini won any money. Sabini complains to his lieutenant wanting to know where their coppers are. And Killian says that 
His coppers and his boys are busy. His boys are having a little bonfire on the track. Gaming licenses, you know. Aha. Uh-huh. Sabini Which answers to or doesn't answer, but explains some of what's been going on in the tactics that you can just burn people's licenses and then they're not allowed there anymore. Well, that's part of it, which we'll hear later. But it's yeah, like yeah. they have to they they have to have the physical license or they're not allowed there. Right, right. Uh, Sabini stands up, but Killian tells him not to pull a weapon or he'll be fingered as the pol- the king's assassin. Yeah. Killian says Sabini's other mistake was not letting Solomon's bookies come to Epsom as he had promised. Yeah. The first mistake was that he relied too much on police for his security. Yes. Yeah. And that, that was a mistake and that we didn't, I don't feel like was mentioned before as to why Solomon's was willing to go back in with Killian that Sabini had kind of betrayed him like that. Like, I don't think we knew no, that. No, they never said that until now. Yeah, so that's so. that was a missing piece Well, but in the honestly, puzzle. it wasn't clear to me when he was negotiating with Solomon's, like, in what sense they were negotiating. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, it was all very vague. Yeah, true. Uh, Sabini breaks a bottle and goes after Killian, but then some cops do come in and drag Killian out, and Sabini is literally frothing at the mouth <laughs> at this point, and it is not a good look. Yeah. Killian... Having been pulled away from by these apparent police, uh, is then taken to a truck and informed that he is now a prisoner of the red right hand and to make himself comfortable because they're just going for a wee drive. A wee drive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they tell, one of them tells the other to take Killian's cap and his gun. Uh, the truck drives off and we see a close up of the peaky blinding cap in the dirt. Oh no! Yeah. This is not. Where he keeps all his power. <laughs> That's right. No, I mean, it's bad. Like, this is, this is a seriously not good situation. No. Attractive bitch walks into the bar slash bedding enclosure in her red dress and looks fabulous. (laughs) It's got some like illusion netting happening. It's like illusion netting before illusion netting. It's Mm. really impressive. She spots Grace and sidles up to her warily. So, you also here to meet a gangster? (laughs) Attractive bitch says she guessed and then Mumper confirmed it. Grace asks, who attractive bitch is <laughs> attractive bitch says she's may carlton who trained tommy's horse and that she guessed that grace is the woman killian said was going to sail away and she guesses judging by your face killian did not tell grace about her but he did tell attractive bitch about grace i wonder if that's significant <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh attractive bitch earning yeah. her name that's right Attract- no, seriously, this is such a mismatch. I mean, attractive bitch's smoky eye alone is destroying Grace. In this yeah, scene. like Grace's entire outfit looks like she stole it off of a doll. <laughs> I I saw this on a China doll once. And <laughs> I thought I'd steal it. <laughs> attractive bitch asks if Grace knows where Killian is. Killian says she's waiting for him. Attractive bitch says all the bookies have had their licenses burned, so they'll have to reapply, but their applications will be denied and the pitches will be given to Tommy's bookies instead. Mm-hmm. It's all part of Killian's plan for the future. Grace wants to know how attractive bitch knows Killian's future. Attractive bitch says she'll make sure of it because she has influence with the board. Oh, oh snap. This scene is great, yes, by the it way. Is. Like, this is why not every scene should have to pass the Bechtel test. Because, like, when you see two women going after the same man going against each other, it's amazing. Yeah. Grace says, there's business and there's love. And attractive bitch says, is there? With Tommy Shelby. 
Oh, Grace looks like she could set attractive bitch on fire with her eyes if Grace is capable of actually doing anything. And this is literally the first time Grace has ever been even remotely interesting. Grace wants to know what attractive bitch wants from Tommy Shelby. And attractive bitch says the same as Grace. To feel alive. Attractive bitch pretty much game set matches and walks away as Grace struggles to get the last word in. And she yells across, like, again, already, if you're yelling, yeah, not going to end well. And she says, did he tell you my name? And, uh, like, no, you're not the child like Empress Grace. Yeah, attractive bitch is like, I think he said spittoon lady. <laughs> attractive bitch turns and just looks at her. She's like, you know, go ahead and finish. Grace says, my name is Grace. And attractive bitch does not care. Yeah. Because she, she's like, yeah, I know. Like, I guess that your name was Grace because the horse is named Grace's secret. Yeah. Like, no man names a horse that unless it's after some dummy like you. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so, uh, it remains to be seen whether Tommy Shelby is going to think with his, uh, vast deference or his brain. <laughs> See Sam Neill in a phone booth telling the person on the other end of the line that they should say that the killers were heard as saying they were members of the IRA taking retribution for the field marshal's actions in County Cork. Cork. <laughs> Sam Neill says that their friend from Birmingham has been taken care of and that it's been a very good day. Uh, but he hears footsteps approaching and he says he has to go. It is Polly. And she looks awesome. She does. Sam, Was she wearing that before? Um, I think maybe she had a coat on. Maybe that, that would that would explain it. Um, Sam Neill greets her all like jovially. Like it's like, I, you know, it, it seems like just yesterday I was raping you. He, and here you are. acting like they're dating. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. But she says that Killian told her that Sam Neill would be there and that she should be the one to finish him. She says, small and weak, isn't it? Well, this time, small and weak has got a gun. Boom. Yeah. Polly's got a gun. (laughs) Yeah. Sam Neill says that she wouldn't dare to kill him, but she says that there's no coppers around. Uh, And Sam Neill tries to, like, be like that they have feelings for each other and that, like, some part of you wanted it and we, you know, share this thing or whatever. And there's this moment in it where I was like, "Uh, is she going to, like, listen to this? Yeah. Like, you know, because it is Polly and it's, like, not 100% out of the question. But don't victim blame. (laughs) But she doesn't. I know. I know. Yeah. I mean, that would be a different story if she had actually fallen for it. But she doesn't. She uh, she pulls the trigger uh, and he falls against her and slumps over. And she whispers, don't fuck with the Peaky Blinders. (laughs) Boom. Yeah. All adventures in babysitting style. Uh, She lets him fall to the ground and leaves the phone booth as the song River Sticks by Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Manly! Like, wow. Yeah. That Uh, triple down. Yeah. That's like the triple down of manliness. Yeah. (laughs) Kurt Sutter called. He was like, wow, that's too man. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, slow down, guys. (laughs) Katie Seagal's like, calm down, Kurt. (laughs) So yeah, Polly walks out through the crowd with a big old blood stain on the front of her dress, zero fucks given, and uh, nobody notices. No, and they've all pretty much recovered from the fact that some other guy died. Like, they're all just, <laughs> now they're all just drinking. Yeah. Grace, much like the cheese, stands alone, smoking <laughs> a cigarette while some random guys notice Sam Neill's body, uh, which is hopefully actually dead this time. Yeah. But, like, maybe, maybe this is just a thing. Every season finale ends with Sam Neill getting shot, and every season 
premiere begins with him with like a new disability or like a new prosthetic arm. Yeah, and it turns out he was just bicentennial man the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I really can hope a that's robot not the case, learn though. to love. <laughs> can a robot learn to write? <laughs> Uh, I hope he doesn't come back. I feel yeah. like we've wrung all of what there is to be wrung out of this story here. Yeah. And I mean, again, and I mean, and again nothing against I, Sam Neill, you know, as we've discussed. Nothing against Sam Neill, but it's just like we need a new enemy here. Yeah. Well, and I, it looks like, well, we'll finish this out here. And yeah. Let's say what we think is coming. Uh, so Attractive Bitch has changed back into her muddy clothes and is pulling her coat on. Uh, we see Mickey leading the horse over and she says they'll get the horse home. So we have no idea how Grace's secret did. Uh, yeah, we don't. Yeah. Well, she didn't win. Right. We know but that. We knew that before. Questions to be answered in series three. <laughs> Lizzie sits crying and having a cigarette as Arthur blunders around crowing that they own it. They own it all. <laughs> he sees Lizzie and wants to know what she's doing there. <laughs> she says, working for Killian, same as always. And Arthur's like, you work for the Peaky Blinders. And I'm like, there's no distinction. Yeah. Like, you're such an idiot. <laughs> Mumper. Well, uh, he is visibly doing cocaine during this scene. Oh, uh, what? I missed that. Yeah, he, it was just one line okay. off the bench or whatever, but he did it. At any rate, Mumper notices more that Lizzie is upset about something. Uh, she's got, you know, bruises on her face. Uh, she says she fell over, but Mumper says, don't give me that. And he wants to know if she was working. She says, yeah. And he starts lecturing her like, oh, you thought you'd come down here and make a few quid off these mm-hmm. toffs. And, you know, you got to stop doing that. Tommy said and blah, blah, blah. She's understandably upset since he is unaware of the real reason right. that she was there. But still the best, by the way. Like, I really appreciated, you know, he knows her and he could immediately yeah. see that there was something actually going on. Anyway, he brags that they won. And Lizzie sarcastically says, congratulations. Uh, so she tells Mumper that she doesn't see the same thing in his eyes that she sees in Killian's. And he should get out. And Mumper looks very perturbed. Like, he yeah. and Lizzie had an actual relationship. Right. Like, whatever right. anybody else wanted to say about it, mm-hmm. you know, he liked her enough as a person. Yeah, yeah. And Arthur then wonders where Killian is anyway. Cut to the dark interior of the red right van. <laughs> Where Killian is looking out of a round window. Uh, the truck stops and the door opens and Killian and the man guarding him get out. Killian walks over to a shallow grave that's already been dug in the middle of a giant field in the middle of nowhere. Killian asks the red right hand if any of them were in France and asks if he can have a last cigarette. One of them says that he was at the Somme, the Blackwoods. And Killian says the Somme, the Bulge. And the guy says to go ahead and smoke. Things not looking good here. No. Killian starts monologuing. He says, so fucking close. And he turns and looks at the sky and closes his eyes. And he said that he's got a woman he loves. And we're like, attractive bitch, right? You mean attractive bitch? Please mean attractive bitch. Yeah. And he says he nearly got fucking everything. This is how I, like, this is like the perfect distillation of how I feel when I don't get what I want. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, uh, it's so close all the time. Mm -hmm. And he says, oh, what the fuck? And he throws down his cigarette. He walks over to the grave. He drops his watch in. And the other veteran says, uh, Comrade, we have our orders. You know how it is. Killian agrees that he does know how it is. And the three men advance as Killian drops to his knees. And he says, in the bleak midwinter, which is what he said in season one when he pretended to kill Danny Wisbang. So he, he liked, it's a poem by Christina Rossetti, which he clearly likes. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't have cable. Yeah. Uh, another guy who is not the veteran in a very quick exchange 
shoves Killian into the grave with his foot, shoots the guy who was going to shoot Killian, and then turns and shoots the third guy before he can get his gun out. Uh, they both fall on top of Killian in the grave, and the guy says that at some point in the future, Mr. Churchill will want to speak to you directly, Mr. Shelby. He has a job for you. We will be in touch. And Killian's like, uh... I just shat myself? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> right. Killian's like, brain no worky? Uh, <laughs> No, and he is genuinely surprised yeah, here. this like, is not the, at all. No. He, he definitely thought he was going to die. He definitely did not think this was going to happen. Uh, and the guy says, now get out of the grave, Tinker. Be on your way. Uh, the song All My Tears by Annie Brunn plays as Killian uh, trips over a furrow and screams, fuck, and ugly cries as he walks away. Which is great. This is it the is. most raw emotion we've seen from Thomas Shelby. Yeah. And well, and it's so brutal because he thought he didn't just think like, yes, he's still alive, but the whole point was that dead or alive, he was finally going to be out from under Sam Neill. Mm-hmm, and true. now he's on under Winston Churchill and he's got no, there's nothing he can do to threaten Winston Churchill. I mean, Sam Neill's just some, you know, major or whatever, like he could make a play against him, mm-hmm. but church, you know, fucking forget about it. Like, he's he's screwed. And so to me, that's sort of what I feel like, is that Churchill next season is going to be, like, the antagonist. Like That would be really interesting. Yeah. Especially now that they have someone who looks like Churchill. <laughs> right. So we'll see if that's true. But, yeah. yeah. I would also be interested to see what Lizzie does next season. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously she's not going to be the big bad. But right. I would be curious if she hmm. has some scam of her own. Yeah. Interesting. trying to run. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, in some pub, it doesn't look like the garrison. Yeah. So it might be in London. It's very unclear. Right. Uh, but everybody's cheering about how great the Peaky Blinders are. <laughs> Back home, it's not clear if it's Ada's home or Polly's home. Yeah. Paul hugs Ada, who looks concerned. Like, I guess we're supposed to understand that they've had a whole conversation. It's yeah, I guess weird. so. Yeah. Killian just blows into his office and kicks Michael's desk. He says he and Paul had a bet about whether he'd take the money and go or still be there. H&M says Polly wants him to stay, but Killian, as he pours some drinks, says that what Polly wants will always be a mystery to him. <laughs> Bitches, right? Bitches. <laughs> Manly. H&M says he's decided he wants to make real money with Killian. They toast and sit down. Killian says he's got some ideas for the future of the company, and also he's planning on getting married. What? <laughs> And end scene. Yeah. Peaky Blinders, man. That's yeah. the end. Please be the attractive bitch. Oh, God. There's no advantages to marrying Grace. Did you not notice how the show got much better when she left? Yeah. Did, it was what's that? so much better. Oh, man. Like, and uh. it's like, he can't possibly care if it's his baby. Right. Because she tried to be like, oh, baby Thomas. And it's like, he never wanted a fucking baby. Yeah. It's just going to die in World War Two. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, yeah. So, hopes for season three all the tom hardy yeah uh i hope he's not in conflict with killian but, but you know, you know either we'll way. take what we have yeah uh the whereabouts of comrade baby yeah would love to know about that sure sure uh curious to see sort of what h&m's character development is yeah he's been, they didn't do much with him but there's you there's potentially some interest there although it's well, like particularly if he starts superseding mumper and arthur oh yeah which he would almost certainly have to from a strategic perspective right well he's got you know skills or you know abilities that they don't have exactly. in terms of you know passing yeah you know uh did paul get away with murder i that hopefully seems... was it murder yeah 
<laughs> let's first of all yeah no zombie sam neil <laughs> um i mean but i mean honestly like for what killian wants to do marrying attractive bitch is the only logical choice i guess but i just don't see it seems unlike like him marrying her like marrying like she doesn't care i know she doesn't, she doesn't care yeah yeah she doesn't care his family likes her yeah and she has all this influence and he's at a point now because those pitches that he took are legitimate pitches they're legitimate his export business is legitimate mm-hmm. it's you know he's got churchill's signature to point i mean to. people are going to talk about her but yeah. they were talking about her before anyway yeah huh and she said she would win him yeah that's true so i mean please god no more Grace. <laughs> Grace died on her way back to Poughkeepsie. <laughs> like, if Grace's baby wants to come back for revenge, I'll watch that. <laughs> sure. Team up with Comrade Baby. Um, Yeah, I want to see more from Esme next season. Yeah, she's been More fun. Esme for sure. Less Arthur, honestly. Yeah, well, I mean, He's you know. only got two speeds, you know, <laughs> on and coked out. Right. So. I mean, you know... The- I agree. I mean, I think it's kind of inevitable that there's some sort of... And it's it's not to say the performance was phenomenal. Oh, sure. And, you know, we enjoyed it this season. It just feels like there's not much else to do with it. More Jeremiah? Yeah. Or Isaiah or both? Yeah. But, I mean, what I was going to say, too, when you were saying about Jeremiah, I mean, Jeremiah seems like somebody that they like him and they're keeping him around and they're not... They're not burning that yet with anything. No, and I mean, you know, he's not involved with their criminal enterprises that much. So it's like what he does is limited. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't know, what, like Arthur finding God or something. Like, I don't know how you shoehorn him in. Yeah, but, well, I mean, he's not uninvolved either. Like, he's, you know, aware he's part of their circles. Yeah, I mean, I think he's on their payroll. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So who knows? Um, Any other loose ends? Um, I mean, Sabini presumably is still rattling around. Right. So, you know, he's got to have some kind of plan to get back. Mm-hmm. Uh, things seem quiet, all quiet on the, the gypsy front. Yeah. With the Lees and I assume, you know, the black country boys yeah, are now fine. Yeah, I wonder if they, they patch that up. But that seems like a, you know, yeah. happened off screen hand wave situation. Will Curly manage to take down horse racing? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not, no. Uh, yeah, but I'm excited. Uh, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing what happens. Yeah, me honestly. too. Definitely. I'm just, you know, in the ongoing machinations of Thomas Shelby. Like, yeah. It's fascinating. It is. So. It's, it's really good stuff. All right. Well, so that's the end of family meeting for now. For the indefinite future, since we don't know yeah, when it's coming back. Yeah, we don't know back. when it's coming back. Um, if it comes back during the run of either the U.S. Downton or Mr. Selfridge, mm-hmm. we might have to wait on coverage. So just know that. Right. We're going to be on a hiatus through October the 4th mm-hmm. due to some travels. Yep. So just uh, prep yourselves. There's plenty of back catalog yeah uh to listen to and not a hundred percent hiatus either because september 20th yeah september 20th is when instant takes for the uk airing of downton abbey is going to start so if that's something you're into we'll be doing that yes um but we'll post maybe some editors picks um you know episodes that we especially liked or that were very popular we'll figure it out sounds good um in the interim and yeah i think that's it so uh that's our last family meeting for a while By order of the Peaky Blinders! Christ!